Well, hello and welcome back to Drake Art Diaries. Great to have you all back with us. I'm really, really pleased today because I'm going to be talking to a member of the village, fairly new to the community, called Kirk Purnell, a name many of you I'm sure would have heard of. Kirk has found a rather surprising new skill and he's going to tell us all about it in a minute. But for those of you who are listening who do not have the luck of living in the gorgeous hamlet of Drake and Rodney Stoke, I'd like to just picture a scene. We're recording this on Zoom. However, looking out of my window through my very blurry sight, I'm looking out sort of southwest to the Somerset levels. And if I looked in the other direction, eastward, I'm looking at the Mendham Hills. We are literally a little village nestled in the Somerset Hills and we are called the strawberry capital of the world because of its beauty and also because of its flora and fauna. And it's very near to Cheddar Gorge, which is a, a huge history as um, any of our listeners will know. So I'm going to launch in now and say, Kirk Purnell, very, very, very warm welcome to the programme. Thank you so much, Tiggy, and and thank you so much for for asking me on. It's such a, an absolute privilege to be um, to be in the company that I am on this podcast. So really looking forward to talking with you. Well, that is fantastic, and I think I'm already talking to a professional because I think you're quite used to using Zoom. Can you first of all tell us what's your profession? I know you do something very high up in education. I'd love to know a little bit more about that. Absolutely. Um, it's always a difficult one for me to describe this. My job title is the Director of Teaching, Learning and Assessment. And ostensibly, it's a quality assurance role, but I'm not sure if that really describes what I do very well, being as it is in education. So I think it's probably easiest to say that I was for many years a teacher, an English teacher of many stripes and varieties. Uh, And then I sort of moved into coaching teachers and and teacher training and teacher education. Uh, And now I sort of sit at a strategic level. So I I guess my job at its simplest is trying to make the quality of learning and teaching as good as it can be for all the students in the college that I work. And what area is that? I mean, of the, of the country, is it in Somerset? Yeah, it's in Wiltshire. Uh, so, well, not in Somerset, but yeah, in the southwest, it's in, uh, in it's Wiltshire College. So it straddles the whole of the county. Well, having done a little bit of uh, research in the way you and I had a lovely chat down at the Tregoff field last week with our dogs running right, I think you were telling me that originally you come from the Rhondda Valley, but there was a transition to moving to Bristol and finally, you've come out to Draycock. Can, can you give us a little bit of a timeline on that? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a journey almost from country to country via city for a fair interlude in between. I was born in, well, I was born in Cardiff, actually. But when I was quite young, we moved to the Rhondda Valleys and grew up in a small village town in, in the Rhondda place called Tonnerevel for anybody who knows the the Rhondda Valleys and the moment I turned 18 and uh, smelt some uh, freedom I ran away to Bristol to to go to university and fell in love with Bristol as a city Um, so I stayed there for for quite some time Uh, apart from a a brief jaunt over to South Korea to teach for a year I was in Bristol from 18 oh gosh till I was about um, 34 I guess so a fair fair stint of time there Uh, and then um, 
when uh, I met my now uh, wonderful wife, we decided that, that we wanted to, after a few years, get out to the country and, and be so, I mean, get dogs, to be honest with you, Tiggies. I know you'll understand. We wanted to get some dogs, be in the countryside. And, and when we started looking, we just fell in love with this area of uh, this part of Somerset with Cheddar and, and eventually with Draycott. As you eloquently describe, it's such a beautiful little area with the levels in front of you, the, the hills behind you. Cheddar Gorge just down the road it's such a gorgeous place so um, we couldn't resist when when we found the village and found the house we now live in and you've had a baby we have yes eight months old a couple of days ago so yeah that's been a new uh, a new unplanned <laughs> experience but it's the perfect place to have one and, and the perfect place to bring up a child so um, definitely looking forward to that I think this is the perfect environment for a child so Kirk Let's start delving a little bit further because we've been through two lockdowns now. We're just coming out of the second one, which hopefully will be the last one. And I think all of us have discovered new talents. Some of us sourdough, some of us (laughs) banana bread. In my case, I I had an unexpected arrival of 13 baby chickens, which I've had to, to bring up quite quickly, which has meant I've had six cockerels. So it's been quite noisy. But you've had a slightly different experience. You, in the last lockdown, I think, if, if memory serves, you had a friend who you were talking to about photography and there was some, ex- some connection with the woodpecker that then led to the beginning of a new discovery for you. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? I think, yeah, I mean, you said about the lockdowns and uh, without waxing too lyrical about where we live, although the podcast is titled Drake Up Diary, so maybe I should. It's such a, an, an amazing place to spend lockdowns, as hard as it's been and as many troubles as there have been throughout this last year. I do feel incredibly lucky that we've been able to be in, in such a gorgeous place where going out for an hour's exercise, an hour's walk is, it can be such a wonderful thing. And, and I think it's fair to say that I've done it, I feel at this point, I'd done that quite ignorantly before um, at the start of this period, at the start of this lockdown, because I'm surrounded by this incredible nature. And as as much as I took in the the sights and the sounds and the beauty of it all, I I never really understood it that well in detail. And and that changed, as you referenced, that changed a while ago, reasonably early into the first lockdown, I think probably around about um, May last year. There's a lovely fellow in the village called Rob who who, um, often pops out in the morning uh, to the nature reserves in the area and take some lovely photos and pop some up on the Facebook. And I just noticed uh, one particular photo jumped out to me on one of the uh, fa- uh, local village Facebook groups of, of, as you say, a woodpecker. And it's young. And it was almost in this, it hollowed out this almost cartoonish hole uh, nest uh, in which it's it's young sat and it just reminded me of Woody Woodpecker you know it just reminded me of watching that childhood cartoon and I never I think I never imagined that that was the reality uh, which you know again seems a little silly to me now but that was the actual reality and that was just down the road from me so uh, I got in touch with Rob who I'd known from a, a running club that my wife had set up a little while ago and so I got in touch with him and asked him if I could just tag along which of course he was happy for me to do. And, and, and I went to see this woodpecker and it was as wonderful as, as it looked in the photo, but just very quickly got, got a little bit frustrated that I didn't have the, the type of camera like he had to take good photos of it to capture that moment. So, um, so I very rapidly <laughs> decided to use some money I'd been saving to buy a, a tablet actually, and just went straight out the next day, found a nice, a nice DSLR camera, the same one I use now, 
uh, the same one that was more than equipped to, to do what I still currently do, uh, and just went out and, and bought that straight away and, and went along with him another few days later and took still one of my favorite photos. It's still um, there on my Instagram feed. I reposted it a couple of times of this woodpecker with a young just after they'd actually fed it with a young sort of the head popping out of the little cartoonish nest and the, and the woodpecker stood next to it. It's such a lovely bird. I see them quite often and I visit that same spot. Now it's back to nesting season. So yeah, that, that's how I got into it. And um, and that led to, to everything we'll, we'll talk about through the course this morning. Well, indeed. And clearly I have sight loss, so I haven't had the, um, the advantage that some people have had, but I've had a lot of lovely audio descriptions. In a way, that's kind of magical as well, because I've had people talk your photographs to me, which is, which is lovely. But the ones that, that I've seen have been barn owls, which are, which are around here a lot, I know. But also we have something quite unique here, don't we? Because I can see Nyland Hill in the far distance from where I'm sitting now. We go back to King Arthur's history here on the levels and we get this extraordinary mist don't we that hangs over the over the levels there's something to do with the hills behind us and the hills stick out like little islands which of course they were originally and you've managed to capture that feeling which is which is very intense for this area Absolutely. And it's it's one of my favourite effects. And I think because we have, as we've described, hills one side and, and very low flat levels the other side, we, we get some wonderful weather effects uh, as they come over the hills and then settle into the into the levels. And as you say, we get the mist. And since I've lived here, it is, it, I think it's quite it's not exaggerating to describe that effect as breathtaking and when I first saw it after moving into the area we're lucky that from our house we again much as you look over those levels so we see quite a vast area and you get the the, the fog just pools I imagine it's almost like a swimming pool filling up uh, with as you say some of the peaks um, like Nyland Hills, sort of just just popping its little nose at the top, and and when you walk up into the hills, and there's one of my favourite photos I, I ever took was on a dog walk in the morning where we'd gone up to the Mendips, and if you look over in the um, sort of opposite direction to the levels, you can see the Glastonbury Tor sitting on well the the tour being the hill itself, and the and the um, the church on top of it and the mist will just gather you'll get the tour popping at the top and a couple of other islands and as you say it's like the isle of avalon uh, or seeing the isle of avalon again absolutely beautiful i managed to take one photo at golden hour with this beautiful golden sunlight coming across and and it's um you don't get you don't get many moments like that and it's giving me shivers just talking about it it was such a gorgeous moment to catch it's giving me shivers thinking about it as well. So would you, do you have a preference? I mean, if I asked you, for you, which is, I'm going to ask you both actually, which is the most perfect wildlife photo you've been able to capture and which is your most perfect view, for want of a better word? I think... <sighs> It's okay. <laughs> there are two, yeah, two, two answers coming to mind. And it's an interesting thing, first of all, the wildlife and the landscape photography, because I tend to do both in quite equal measure. I started off almost exclusively taking wildlife photos, and that's probably still my favourite thing to do, because the luck of the, the animal, the right animal coming out at the right time and the, or, or the work you have to put into it is amazing. But also when you capture a landscape with the, with the sun at the right angle or the snow or the frost or whatever. And I think that my two favourite photos of those varieties both encapsulate that. Probably in terms of wildlife, it's a barn owl uh, photo I took 
I think it was back in last uh, late October, early November. And it, the photo itself isn't actually that fantastic. In fact, I've taken many far better photos of barn owls since. But it was the first barn owl I took. And, and not just a luck of the draw thing. I, I'd, saw, I'd seen an owl as I was crossing the, the moors uh, to, to actually take a photo of a sunrise, actually, elsewhere uh, at Ashton Windmill, uh, for those that know it. And, uh, and I just out of the corner of my eye caught this owl flying around. I didn't have my camera gear set up, so I'd scrambled to try and do it. I didn't have time and the, and the owl had flown off. But I'd remembered where he was and um, following that sighting, I returned to that same spot at pretty much the same time every day for the next fortnight. But I also started coming in the evening. So I was coming back to the spot twice a day and I started chatting to um, the you know, landowners in the area, somebody who owns a, cl- a clay shooting ground that the owl was very near to, a person in the village who, who works a- along with the um, Hawk and Owl Trust, and just started learning a lot more about these amazing creatures. If anybody has ever seen a barn owl in flight, they are the just incredible. The grace and the silence and the sort of the concentration, they, they're such beautiful animals to watch. But, uh, but anyway, through the, through the two weeks, I learned a lot about this animal and, and, and kept going back and kept going back. So you can imagine my excitement when eventually I did, everything came together and the owl came out at the right time and I had the right lens with me and I was able to, to, get, to get a good shot. And that was it for me. And, and, and like I say, the picture is nice and, and I, still in, I still enjoy looking at it, but mainly because of the story that comes behind it. And that probably encapsulates one of the things that I love so much about wildlife photography in general. It's not about, as I've described it uh, before, not, not the 2% of the time where you're pushing the shutter, you know, the shutter button. It, it's the 98% of the, of, the, of the learning and the being in that environment and, and the waiting and, and then ultimately the payoff. Listening to you talk there, Kurt, you are completely self-taught. So the question that's going through my mind, you're talking about grabbing the lenses and and all that. I mean, as far as I know, you never really were into photography at all. So this is a completely new learning thing. How have you learned this skill? Or is it something that is completely instinctive? Lots and lots of YouTube, I think. It is, I mean, it's a combination. I think to, to a degree, there's two types of learning. There's the practical, you know, necessary sort of functional learning, maybe is the best way of putting it. How do I operate my camera? You know, what are the different settings? What do they mean? How do I control the light? What lens do I need for what shot? You know, what filters, all that kind of stuff. And, and that probably is largely YouTube. And, and various sort of web browsing and, and, and of course asking other photographers and I've mentioned Instagram it's the main place I share my photography and there are some incredible photographers out there and the wonderful thing about the photography community in my experience even though I've been doing this through a period that's been plagued by lockdowns and therefore haven't been able to physically meet with many photographers they are an incredibly helpful bunch and if I send someone a, a message on Instagram I did recently a, a picture of Cheddar Gorge that I really liked and I just asked you know what, what was the focal length you used? What were the settings? Uh, and this guy got straight back in touch with me, despite me never having spoken to him again with those answers. So the community is really, really helpful. When, when you do bump into photographers out and about, I tend to ask those questions. But then the other aspect is the eye, as people often call it, you know, understanding your surroundings, understanding, you know, what the composition is, what how to frame a, a, an image. And I think that has to be instinctive to a degree. It, it's learned in the sense that I'll look a lot of great photographers and I'll I'll see what they produce and I'll see what I like and what I don't like. And I'll again, watch YouTube videos where people describe how they've 
tell a story through their photos or why they've planned this particular one, what time they've gone down, what they're looking for. And that's helpful. But I think ultimately, yeah, you know, like any artistic endeavor, I, I imagine you sort of, you take bits, you magpie, you squirrel and, and take the bits you like from everyone else and hope that that sort of by osmosis comes through when you take your own photos and, and, and you catch the right moment at the right time. I, th I think you've explained it absolutely beautifully. Therefore, it, it triggers the next question I'd love to ask you. Does it, now that you have found this almost new way of a perspective of your environment, has it changed you emotionally? Do you find it a form of meditation? What does it do for you on an emotional level? I think... There's a lot of photographers, before I give my own answer, I, I speak with a lot of photographers and, and I'm in um, in a couple of groups on, on, on Instagram, chat groups where I speak to a photographers all the, all the time. We, every day we, we have a lot of chat and a lot of photographers talk about how photography helps them combat mental health, maybe combat mental health issues, but also maintain a, a, a healthy mental well-being, mental state. And I think... I think that's fair to say, though I wouldn't ever pretend to have to have had to sort of combat any any issues so much. I think it really it's a very meditative, as you say, meditative endeavor. You spend most of your time out on your own. You're, you're generally the type of photography I do. I'm generally in very isolated places you know by design that's where i'll see the wildlife that's where i'll get the best landscape images and that and the other third type of photography i do quite enjoy is astrophotography for, but for which you need to be in a very very dark place so, so that's generally in the middle of nowhere in the middle of night so it is without a doubt a very meditative process and i think it you know you are so focused on the sounds and the sights and the weather and the conditions that you're not really you, you're in you're in a, a sort of empty state if you like you, you you're walking around and I often do my photography on walks I sometimes go and sit in one place in a hide or something but I'll often I, I like to walk around and see what's what's about but you're always looking for the for the slight bit of movement at the corner of your eye the call of uh, maybe a buzzard overhead or or something like that so it absolutely helps me to to have have that space and and to lose myself but also i've learned such an incredible amount about wildlife and about the environment uh, i said earlier it's almost embarrassing at the start of lockdown that i would take in the beauty of what's around me but i didn't understand a lot of it and now i feel i understand a lot of it far better and i do enjoy that that i'm i'm able to know what's around me and, and just sometimes just i'll hear something and know that there's a thing happening over there I'll, I'll hear the drumming of woodpeckers at the moment for example which i never would have noticed before and it's really nice to know that's happening and, and know what's going on why and why i can hear that in fact i was talking on one of the podcasts to a fantastic biologist who lives in uh, rodney stoke and during the last lockdown about where the birds were singing louder and of course what he was saying, which is quite right, we were quieter so that we could hear our environment. But I'd love to ask you, I know we were talking about, oh gosh, blimey, you know, we hear nothing else, do we, but mental health at the moment. I know, and I, you know, I've asked you whether we could talk about it briefly, and only briefly, but you, I know you lost your father reasonably recently after a long, long illness. But you were saying to me, which I, which I felt encouraged by, in the, and I know it's a discovery that you haven't quite completely got through yet but 
it's true that I think you said your father had some interest himself in photography and that there may be some equipment you've yet to find in his in his attic is that right yeah it's um so my father used to take a lot of he used to enjoy portrait photos and and um I've seen a couple of bits of his equipment you know cameras and color enlargers and so on but I know there's a lot more to be unearthed he used to have his own dark room and uh, and he, he used to sort of take and develop his own photos and it's an interesting because we're in this digital world where I can go out and take a thousand photos and it's not a particular issue uh, it's always an interesting point of debate amongst photographers I speak to you know do you go down the world of film and 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 the, the limitations that it poses on you but I think I would love to be able to emulate my father in that way and, and and use the equipment that he used and know that I can kind of span that that you know maybe 40 40 odd year gap from when he was he was probably longer actually from when he was taking photos and when I'll be using the same equipment and I'd love to just enjoy the the, the medium I think and every photographer every digital photographer probably relishes the idea of going back to film and using dark rooms and the smells and the associations and all that kind of stuff so although I certainly can't see myself becoming a film photographer I think I would definitely uh, I look forward to unearthing what's there and, and playing around with that absolutely so a, a voyage of discovery on that one yeah, absolutely let's just talk I'm getting a picture uh, which is rather a, a good one because I'm probably got a little bit of that in myself but you started off as a you know I know you came originally from Wales but more recently you know you'd see, clearly you're a bit of a city boy and enjoyed <laughs> Bristol and you like the pubs and you know you liked a bit of you know and, and <laughs> It sounds to me like you've had quite a literally a geographical transition moving to Draycott. You've had a biological change because you've got a baby. You've got married to the gorgeous Amy. You've got your two beautiful dogs. So I'm hearing quite, quite a change, which I'd love to ask you, because obviously Draycott Diaries is very much about community because it's made for the community. What does, what does joining Draycott in the hamlet of Rodney Stoke mean to you and your family? Draycott. And I know that your audience, Tiggy, is is a lot in Draycott, but also around the world. And and some people will recognise firsthand what I'm saying when I say that Draycott is just the most wonderful community. And it, it you is as you say a hamlet, this small space that was quite intimidating possibly to come in at first because I remember when we first joined and met people who'd lived here for 20 years saying well we're still newbies in the village <laughs> you know you're, you're not established in the village until you've got three generations that have lived here um which which was a bit intimidating at first but I've we've been here for three and a half pushing four years now and it's the it's such an incredible place and I we take um well I, I take camera walks and dog walks and often camera and dog and sometimes even baby walks at the same time going going around the moors and 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 sometimes I come back and and see Amy my wife and say you know I've bumped into seven or eight people and had long chat you know she's wondering where I've been obviously <laughs> I've bumped obviously. into seven or eight people yeah and had had chats with them and it's and being able to help out with things like the local uh, community shop, which is, you know, we, we redeveloped a, a year, a year and a half, a year and a bit ago. And all the people I met through that and, uh, we're looking at having some work done on our house so I've been able to just text a few people I know and I've got all sorts of recommendations for people to do that work I think it's just from a from a a belonging sense of view th this is such a wonderful place to be a part of and we've talked a lot about how beautiful it is and and I and I can't really put too fine a point on that we're in such an amazing place 
Um, and we've you briefly mentioned Cheddar, but I would definitely, anybody who doesn't know this area, strongly recommend that they Google Cheddar Gorge because it's such an, an inc- breathtaking place. But like I say, that the community, that the people, the help that I've been able to draw on, I described, you know, just being able to speak to people about the owl earlier. And yeah, I think I think that's a fantastic thing to have on your doorstep. And going back to having a new child and and everything that that every way in which that changes your outlook and and all the things that you sort of see coming on the horizon, I think it's going to be such a lovely place for her to grow up. Um, you know, I, I I honestly look forward to being able to put her into school as much as I don't want that time to escape us. The idea of her going into Draycott first and and the people who I already know who are involved in in that school, uh, you know, it, it's it's a really exciting thing. So yeah, it's a wonderful place, and 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 I struggle to imagine being anywhere else really. Well, I'm hoping you won't you won't leave us. I think we're drawing towards the end, Kurt. I'd like to. Um just sort of get a sense now of the future we're we're coming out of lockdown hopefully you found this fantastic new skill you're definitely in touch with the community and I know what you mean it takes a long time coming to a country community um you know I like you I came from a similar journey came from Bristol well London originally I was talking to Gerald Daly on a podcast you know he's been a resident for nearly 80 years in Draycott and as you said, I mean, I'm only 20 years. You're, you're a bit behind me with three. I think it does take time. I, but as far as I'm concerned, I think this community, you know, I've gone blind in this community. Nobody's ever kind of made of us. And it, it, I've just felt nothing but supported. And I, that's what I really love. And I hope you do stay with us. I think the most important thing is just to, to reference that the Western Daily Mercury, is that right? Western Daily Press. Western Daily Press. I mean, they got wind of you. So, I mean, clearly, you, you know, you are very good. <laughs> there is no doubt about it. What made me laugh, though, was that the manager of the uh, the community shop, <laughs> when apparently the article came out, you went in and bought most of the comments. So people were coming and going, oh, I'd really like to read this article. They said, well, I'm, he's got most of them. So much so that I had to do my research independently. And Jackie Melvin <laughs> had to come around and read the article. Borrowed her father's copy. So but anyway, I tracked you down. So in summary, how did they find out about you? And how can people enjoy your photographs going forward? I think I think if, if I had to make sure that the newspaper was a sellout, really, didn't I? I didn't did. intend to take all the copies, though. I think and going back to the community question before I come to that, it was lovely when I met with you, Tiggy, and we took a walk down that field, and 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 everybody, you know, walking around, and several people were saying hello, and you know, and having brief chats, and and I've not, I've just actually been out on a walk to Nyland this morning, and every person I knew or didn't know, we we we, um, we had quite friendly greetings this morning which I think is um yeah just to, just to come back to that that is a lovely um sort of feeling around here uh, in terms of the Western Daily Press article I was it was quite an odd um moment actually which is wonderful one of one of my followers uh, on Instagram who I talked with a few times uh, through chats or, or through comments on on my photos just got in touch with me it was actually um I, I think it was the the day after my dad had had actually passed away i was driving back home from his um or from my parents house just to just to spend a day at home before for going back for the funeral and um and i got a message from 
from one of my followers on Instagram who said, you know, I've never mentioned this on my inside. I don't make a fuss about it, but I'm I'm a, a journalist with the um, with the Western Daily Press and with Country Life magazine, which is the the weekly magazine they they have in on the Saturday, and 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 would love to talk about your photos and talk about how you got into it, very much like we've talked about today. And, and it was a wonderful article. I, I had a lovely conversation. She obviously I told her about Dad, and and she obviously said, well. You know, don't feel you have to. But going back to that idea of 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 uh, therapy and and of a kind of release, there's nothing I enjoy talking about more than my photos. And it was really nice at that moment to be able to talk about them, especially given how how much my dad enjoyed my photography and how much I enjoyed sharing that with him and and how much it meant to me. For sorry, I'm getting a little bit upset talking about it, but but how much it meant for me for him to to see to see what I was doing and for us to have that kind of connection. So it was a lovely thing to talk about as, as, um, as difficult a time it was. And then the article, as I say, I, I felt it really captured my story and, and, and how much I enjoyed and what I enjoyed about photography absolutely perfectly. You know, very much the things that we've talked about today. And uh, yeah, so it, was, so it was a great article. It was a great discussion. And, um, and if anybody is interested in seeing more of those photos, as I say, I share almost exclusively on Instagram. Uh, and my Instagram name is at photographp, which is a hard one to describe. It's a p h o t o g r a underscore p e a photography. It's a little pun. I won't go into the backstory behind the pun, but it's a little shared pun between my wife and I uh, that's taken a mind of its own. But I have realised the more I say it out loud, how difficult it is to explain for people how to write it out. Oh, I cannot tell you. This has just been such a lovely, lovely Sunday morning. And it's so lovely to know you and Amy, and we shall look forward to getting to know you better in the village. And and so your daughter's Christian name? Cecilia. Yeah, it's actually talking of my, of my dad. It was actually his mother's and uh, his grandmother's name. Uh, my grandmother's and my great-grandmother's name, Cecilia. Uh, but we shorten it to Cece. Oh, well, we look forward to welcoming all of you. And um, Kirk Pennell, wildlife photographer, um, so much more. Thank you very much for talking to Draycott Diaries today. Thank you so much for having me on, Tiggy. It's been an absolutely lovely conversation, as you say, on a Sunday morning. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Kirk, thank you so much. What a fantastic chat we had. And I'm bowled over by your talent. It makes me wonder how many other people out there have found these hidden talents during lockdown. Well, be warned, Draycott Diaries will find you and record you. Those of you who'd like to see more of Kirk's photographs, on Instagram, just to remind you, the address is photogra, which is P-H-O-T-O-G-R-A underscored P, and P is P-E-A. Coming up next month, we've got an item from the Rodney Stokes St Leonard's Church, particularly focusing on the bells. So that will be a lovely one to go out in mid-May. A couple of thank yous to Rob Elliott for editing this programme. My brother, who always lovely arrangement of the music. And I was the voice. My name is Tiggy Trethowan. Stay safe and see you soon. (laughs) 